Uh, junior church, try not to forget that. Children are dismissed to junior church at this time, and the PowerPoint's working. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Joyce, for that beautiful song. So we're going to be going to Genesis 12 in a moment. So if you'd like to turn there for, and, and, and just stay there, turn there in your Bible uh, or a Bible you brought with you or a pew Bible, and we'll co- come back to it here in just a moment. But let me introduce the passage as we get there. We're in a new sermon series on people of the Old Testament. Uh, you know, they're forgotten lives of the Old Testament. They're people that we don't, we don't talk about much, we don't study much. And we talked about Cain last Sunday, and we don't talk about Cain a whole lot in church. We might talk about Abel, but maybe not as much Cain. <clears throat> Today will be one of the more known people of the Old Testament. Today we're going to talk about Abraham. And I'm going to try to pick a spotlight, so to speak, a certain point in Abraham's life to talk about, which maybe we don't talk about as much. But who can tell me something about Abraham? You can just shout it out from your seat. He had many sons. We just sang about that. Not directly, though. Anybody else want to tell me something else about Abraham? God's appointed. Okay. God's friend. Friend of God. He was willing to sacrifice Isaac, which God intervened in Genesis 22. He didn't have to in the end, but he was willing. He had that faith, that trust. What? He was sent to a home, an area that was not his own. And we're going to get into that here in just a moment. So Abraham, in, in, in the passage we're going to look at, we see Abraham was willing to take a risk. God called him and he followed. You know, some of us are afraid to take risks. And I want to read this, which I read. Eileen Guter writes this observation in her book, God, But I'm Bored. That's the book title, God, But I'm Bored. She says, you can live on bland food so as to avoid an ulcer. Drink no tea or coffee or other stimulants in the name of health. Go to bed early and stay away from nightlife. Avoid all controversial subjects so as to never give offense. Mind your own business and avoid involvement in other people's problems. Spend money only on necessities and save all you can. Yes, and you can break your neck in the bathtub and it'll serve you right. You know, many times we are afraid to take risks, right? And we're afraid we want to be so healthy, like the guy who invented the marathon phase died while running, while running. and, and that, that's actually true, unfortunately. You know, we think we're being so safe, and then we can die in the bathtub. That's my excuse every night when I get out the ice cream. I have a problem. But sometimes we have to take risks. Sometimes we must try different things. But this is especially true when God places a call in our lives. When God places a call in our lives, we have to follow through. We have to obey God. Abraham was called and he obeyed. Because he obeyed, because he obeyed, we are blessed to this day. Think about that. Because Abraham obeyed, we are blessed to this day. And we'll come back to that. And by the way, we're going to look at what, what we would call the Abrahamic covenant. That covenant was given to Abraham before he obeyed. It was a totally grace-based covenant. It was given to Abraham before the idea of circumcision, before anything else. It was totally grace-based. So my theme today is this. Abraham obeyed the Lord and became the father of nations. We're going to look at that. The application is trust in the Lord as Abraham did. Trust in the Lord as Abraham did. Let's read Genesis 12, 1 to 5. 
We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. So if you're there in a pew Bible or, or Bible gateway on your smartphone, or there's lots of good Bible apps for Kindle and iPads and stuff, just stay there. Um, Genesis 12, 1 to 5. Now the Lord said to Abraham, notice it's Abraham now. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now we're going to come back to this, but I want to park right there and just mention something. Notice this, there's a, four, a fourfold promise to Abraham. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. The one who curses you, I will curse. We're going to come back to those in just a minute. And in you, all the families of the earth, we bless. There's a lot of blessings right here. Verse 4. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew. Now Abraham was young. He was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abraham took Sarai, his wife, notice it's Sarai right now, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. So notice this first, the Lord talks with Abraham. I have trouble saying it. The Lord talks with Abraham, not Abraham. We'll get to that in a minute, but... The Lord talks with him. This passage is Genesis 12. We are only a couple thousand years into history in this passage. A couple thousand years since Genesis 1 coming to this passage. In Genesis chapters 1 through 3, we're just going to break this down, okay? We're going to break down how we got from Genesis 1 to here. In Genesis chapters 1 through 3, we have the creation of Adam and Eve. Then Adam and Eve sinned. That's Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sinned. In Genesis chapters 1 through 2, God walked with Adam in the Garden of Eden. They had a direct relationship with God. But then sin entered the world in Genesis 3. And that tarnished everything. It placed a barrier between God and humanity. And that's why we are not to mess with snakes to this day. Or as Tim Burns always says, don't pet the snake. You know, the, the, the devil came to Adam and Eve in the form of a snake. They sinned. Everything changed. Beginning in Genesis 4, we have Cain and Abel. Then we have all the descendants of Adam and Eve. We see their descendants listed in Genesis 5. In Genesis chapter 6 through 9, we have the flood narrative with Noah and his family. In Genesis chapter 10, we have the table of nations. That's what it's called, the table of nations. All of Noah's descendants spread out. They all spread to different areas, to Italy and Germany and all these different areas, to Palestine. All these different areas they spread out. In Genesis chapter 11, we have what's called the Tower of Babel. And then at the end of Genesis 11, we're introduced to Abraham. The end of Genesis 11, we're introduced to Abraham. Abraham's father begins moving the family from Ur to the land of Canaan. And they stopped in Haran. And we're going to, if the computer holds out, we're going to show you a map of that here in just a moment. But Abraham's father began the move, and then Abraham picks up on that here in Genesis 12. Brings us to Genesis 12. Get this, the rest of Genesis... And the rest of the Old Testament will be about Abraham and his descendants. His descendants become the people of Israel. That's why we can sing, not me, but the children. Father Abraham had many sons. The rest of Genesis and the rest of the Old Testament is all about Abraham's descendants. They became Israel. Right here, the Lord talks to Abraham. 
Notice that he is Abraham, not Abraham. Later, the Lord changes his name to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, in chapter 17, verses 15 through 16, Abraham and Sarai are both renamed. Abraham means father of a multitude, and Sarah means my princess. So God gave them a name based off of the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Abrahamic covenant, that they will be the father of many nations. The Lord talks to him. The Lord now calls Abraham to leave his country, his relatives, his father's house. It is unclear at this point if his father is still alive. We don't know for sure. But leaving your area was a big deal back then. It kind of is today, but definitely back then. You needed your family. You needed your friends. You needed those acquaintances, those people you knew. You needed them to give you support. I know a little bit about this because I grew up in Dayton. I'm not from Youngstown. I moved to Cincinnati, and then from Cincinnati, Megan and I moved to Alliance, and from Alliance to over here. And, you know, there are some things that I can't understand what it's like. Some of you, many of you, and, and this is great for you. You're from this area, and you can think back 60 years about these streets that you drive down and how they've changed and what it's like. Some of you can drive by the house you grew up in. Some of you live in the same house you grew up in, and you have all that support. And that's wonderful. That's a, that's a support system for you. I remember when Meg and I first moved to Alliance, whenever we would travel back home for a holiday, I was always a little bit relieved as we got closer to Dayton. I was a little relieved because I knew if we had car trouble, we had people we could call on for help. And as we moved back, got closer to Alliance, you know, I always thought, hmm, what happens if something breaks down? Now I just call one of you. But... Um, <laughs> But that is true. As you move, you need to get established and get to know people and get a new support system. When it's your area and you grew up, you have friends and family, your children, your grandchildren, your parents, your grandparents, your nieces, your nephews, your coworkers, all these people who can be your support system. Abraham, Abraham left the country he came from. He left that support system. In one of Chuck Swindoll's books, I think it's um, Improving Your Serve. He references that in American history, when the pioneers moved west, you know, when they went, yes, when they went west, young man, I had trouble saying that, went west, young man, when they went west, at first they would get this big plot of land, and they'd put their house right in the middle, right in the middle of their land, so that they couldn't see their neighbors at all. They couldn't see the candles, they couldn't see the lanterns, they couldn't see the light. They wanted to be right in the middle of the land, out in the open country. But then after a while, they realized that didn't work too well. So they started putting their houses at the edge of the properties. You know, so if one neighbor is at the edge, another neighbor is at the edge, they can see each other. They can be close to each other. They can support each other. We need each other. We need each other today. Well, Abraham followed God. He had confidence and he trusted, he trusted the Lord. And he went away from his home. Somebody wrote this, By faith, Abraham... When he was called, obeyed by going out, not knowing where he was going. And just think of this conversation with one of Abraham's neighbors. So this is an imaginary conversation with Abraham and some neighbor. Abraham, what are you doing? Asked a neighbor. I'm packing. Packing? That's right. We're moving. Why? Why in the world would you want to leave Ur? God has made it clear that I should go. God, huh? You've been talking to him again. Right. He told me to leave. I must go. Well, where are you going? I don't know. He didn't tell me that. Wait a minute. 
Let me get this straight. You know you ought to go, but you don't know much beyond that, huh? That says it pretty well. Wow. That's all I can say. Wow. God sure gets blamed for a lot of stuff he doesn't have anything to do with. You know, man, some of us have been a little bit worried about the way you've been acting lately. Up to now, it's just been a little strange. But this, Abraham, this takes you off the end of the pier. It's like everyone's saying, you really are off the deep end. That's how it would have looked. Abraham trusted the Lord when the Lord called him. At this point, I think a map could be helpful. This map comes from the ESV Study Bible. And uh, if you can see this, I, I don't do this often, as you know. Actually, this is the first time I've ever done it. Um, I don't know if you can see the little green dot up here, but this is Babylon and Babylonia, and this is Ur. This is Ur right here. And so he goes up, 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 up to Haran. That's where he left with his, fa- his father in Genesis 12. And now he's coming down towards this area. This would be Israel. So that just kind of gives a picture of the dramatic travel that he would have done, trusting the Lord, not knowing where he's going, as the Lord called him to the promised land. As the Lord called him to the promised land. So now let's look at the four parts of what God shared with him. The four parts. Let's break it down. There are four distinct elements of God's blessings on Abraham. Number one, he was to increase into a numerous people. Abram was now 75 years old and childless, but he was told he would increase in number. Now, if you fast forward a little bit further, he was 100 years old when Isaac was born, and Sarah was 90 years old. So that's part one of the distinct elements listed here. Number two, the Lord told him he would be blessed And notice this is even though he is moving away. He's moving away from all the areas where he knows, all the people he knows, and the Lord is telling him he will be blessed. Number three, the exaltation of his name, the elevation of Abraham to honor and glory. And number four, his appointment to be the possessor and dispenser of blessing. Abraham was not only to receive blessing, but to be a blessing. He was not only to be blessed by God, but to become a blessing or the medium of blessing to others. There, so there are multiple parts with these promises which God gives him. He's increasing to a numerous people. And if you fast forward to the end of Genesis, when we get to Genesis 50, they are a numerous people. You get to Exodus, they are a numerous people, even though he's 75 years old. The Lord told him he would be blessed. The exaltation of his name. And then his appointment to be the possessor and dispenser of the blessing. He was not only to receive blessing, but to be a blessing to others. And Abraham obeys. By the way, I want to talk just for a few more moments about that four-point, four-part covenant. This became known as the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant. It was a covenant between Abraham and God. And it is, it is listed again in Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. It's reinstated. Abraham will literally become the father of many nations as the Hebrew people multiply. But he is also the father of many nations because Jesus, our Savior, is descended through Abraham. Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. And when Christians accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, Galatians and Romans and the New Testament teaches us that we are grafted in just like the Jewish people. So that's how he became the father of a multitude. All the nations of the earth are blessed through Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of Abraham. We, this day, are blessed by Abraham. We are saved through Abraham's seed. And by the way, and I found this very interesting, 
Genesis chapters 3 through 11 are all about troubles. Genesis chapters 3 through 11 are all about troubles. I already outlined them. Genesis 3, sin. Sin enters the world. Genesis 4, Cain. Genesis uh, 6 through 9, the flood. All troubles, troubles, troubles. Curses, curses, curses. They're all about curses. The curses begin with Adam and Eve sinning. It's, it's, it's all outlined. Now, Abraham is blessed and will be a blessing to others. So from Genesis 4 through Genesis 11, no blessings. This is the first blessing since Genesis 2. This is the first time we see blessings since Genesis 2, and that is awesome. So in verse 3, God says, Those who bless Abraham will be blessed, and those who curse him will be cursed. And it seems to me that even to this day, that is still true. I find it amazing that Israel came back as a country in 1948. Who could have planned that? Who could have wrote that? How'd that happen? God has always watched over the Hebrew people. And it seems to me that he is still watching over the Hebrew people. And if you get into the different prophetic books in the Old Testament, Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and other books of the prophets, there were prophecies given to Israel that still have not been fulfilled. And it seems as though they're going to be fulfilled in the end times, what we might call the messianic reign. So Abraham obeys. If you look at verses 4 through 5, Abram obeys. He moves. It, doesn't, it, made it, it may not have made much sense, but he obeyed God. But notice, this covenant with Abram was not based on his obedience. This covenant was not based on circumcision or anything else. This is all about the great grace of God. It's all about God's grace. And it's the same thing today. Our salvation is by God's grace through faith. We don't earn our salvation in Jesus. It's all about grace. Who will make Abram the father of many nations? God did that. God does that. It's all about God. Abram obeyed. He left with his nephew Lot, also Sarai, his possessions and his servants. He already had some possessions. In the future, Abram will be extremely wealthy. He'll be extremely wealthy. And God did it all. It's all about God. Let's take some applications for a moment. We must be responsive to the Lord as Abram was. Abram obeyed what the Lord had told him to do. We also must obey the Lord. We must obey. We must trust him with our home. We must trust the Lord with our money. We must trust the Lord with his family, with our family. By the way, notice those pronouns, though. We say it's our money, it's our possessions, it's our home, it's our family. It's all God's before it's, before it's ours. Our children belong to the Lord before they're ours. We're just stewards. Psalm 50 says, God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. It all belongs to the Lord. We just trust him with it. We must trust the Lord. We must recognize the Lord is sovereign and in control. As we see in this passage. In verse 2, we see the Lord is the one who blesses Abraham. He, the Lord makes his name great. The Lord makes him a great nation. In verse 3, we see that it is the Lord who blesses those who bless him and curses those who curse him. It is the Lord who blesses all the families of the earth. Through Abraham. We must recognize that. That's an application for us. We must recognize that God's sovereignty and how he's in control. Many times we want him to be sovereign, but we don't want him to be in control. We got to let God be in the driver's seat. We're in the back seat. We're in the trunk. We're in the back. Let God drive. We must recognize the Lord gives blessings out of grace. As verse 1 shows, Abram did not do anything to earn this covenant. And we must worship the Lord. Anytime we study anything like this, we must worship the Lord. As we are all blessed through Abraham's seed, Jesus. Celebrate that. Celebrate our salvation. Celebrate Abraham's trust and worship the Lord. The question is, 
are we trusting the Lord today? In 1986, a Christian worker named Steve Saint, Steve Saint was traveling through the country of Mali when his car broke down. Stranded and alone, Steve tried to rent a truck, despite warnings that he wouldn't survive in the Sahara Desert. After he failed to find a truck, in his fear and discouragement, Steve's thoughts ran to his father, Nate Saint, a former missionary in Ecuador. When Steve was only five years old, five years old, natives speared to death his dad and four other missionaries. Among them, Jim Elliott, if you've ever heard of uh, Jim and Elizabeth Elliott. Now, 30 years later, Steve found himself questioning his father's death. Steve reflected, I couldn't help but think the murders were capricious, an accident of bad timing. When Steve asked some locals directions to a church, a few children led him to a tiny mud brick house with a poster on the wall showing wounded hands covering a cross. A man flowing, a man in flowing robes, introduced himself as Na Off Infa Yatara. Na started sharing with Steve about his faith in Christ. Na is sharing how he became a Christian, his testimony. After becoming a Christian, his family disowned him. His mother even put a sorcerer's poison in Nas food at a family feast. Get that. This guy was a Muslim, became a Christian. His family disowned him. His own mother tried to poison him. He ate the food but suffered no ill effects. When Steve asked Na why he was willing to pay such a steep price for following Christ, he simply said, I know God loves me and I'll live with him forever. But Steve pressed, where did your courage come from? Na explained this. He explained that when he was young, a missionary gave him books about Christians who had suffered for their faith. Then he added, My favorite was about five young men who risked their lives to take God's good news to people in the jungles of Ecuador. The book said they let themselves be speared to death, even though they had guns and could have killed their attackers. Utterly shocked, Steve said, one of those men was my father. Now Na felt stunned. Your father, he exclaimed. Then Na told Steve that God had used the death of those five brave missionaries to help him, a young man, a young Muslim, who had become a Christian, hold on to his faith. What this is not sharing is that when those five young missionaries were speared to death in Ecuador, one was... Uh, Nate, uh, Steve Saint's father, Nate Saint. Another was Jim Elliott, and there were three others. They were all speared to death, even though they had guns. Two years later, the wives of those young men went back and reached those people with the gospel. Elizabeth Elliott, the wives, went back and shared the gospel with them. And if you get the book called End of the Spear by Steve Saint... Or the movie, you will see that eventually, though Steve did not know it at the time, the guy who killed his father eventually baptized him. Because the guy who killed his father was eventually saved. He became a Christian. And when we become a Christian, we are changed. We are metamorphosized. Jesus changes us, just like Jesus changed the Apostle Paul. And what we also need to know, that if those young ladies did not go back and reach those people with the gospel, they would have become an extinct people. They were killing each other off so fast as a tribal community, they would have ceased to exist. But these young women, and Elizabeth Elliot just went home to be with the Lord a few years ago. She wrote uh, Through the Gates of Splendor about that and many books about that. These young ladies risked their lives to go and share the gospel with those people. And God used it. 
And you think about martyrs. They were better off. They were in heaven with Jesus. So are we trusting the Lord? Do we know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Are we able to trust him? As Steve said a few minutes ago, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. They went to be missionaries. They trusted the Lord. If everything else was taken away, are we able to trust the Lord? Is Jesus enough? For many of us in America, that's a hard question to answer, especially to answer honestly. Is Jesus enough? Many times, we, we, we don't really get to experience the Holy Spirit's power in our life because we never step out of our comfort zone to where we really have to trust the Holy Spirit. We never give beyond sacrifice. We never actually go and serve at a rescue mission or somewhere or go on a mission trip or, or even two years on a short-term mission, mission uh, experience or, or go to serve the Lord that way or even share the gospel with our neighbors. People need the Lord. Do we believe that? I mean, they really need the Lord. Jesus truly is the answer. It's not just something we say. David Platt was the head of the Southern Baptist International Mission Board. She's a passionate Jesus follower. And he was about to speak on missions when he was meeting in a house with some of them, uh, some, somebody the night before. And, and they said something like, well, I'd just rather, I would just think that God would just forsake all those people and, and just uh, make them cease to exist or exterminate them or something like that. David Platt said, how can you say that? I mean, these are supposed Christians. Next day, David Platt was speaking in a church, and, and the pastor said, we're going to continue to support these missionaries and support David Platt in this ministry so that we don't have to go over there. We're just sending money. That is the worst type of thinking out there. Jesus doesn't just give us fire insurance, eternal life. He gives us abundant life now, a fuller life now, a complete life now. So... Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you, have you had a point in your life when you've accepted him as your Lord of sa and, and Savior? The Bible can be uh, summed up, and I've shared this with some of you, or with all of you, with the acronym that spells gospel. God created us to be in a relationship with him. We see that there in Genesis 1 through 2. Adam walked with God in the Garden of Eden. But our sins, they separate us from God. We see that in Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, there was a separation from God. It's like the power was out. The electric was turned off spiritually because of sin. We don't think our sin's that bad because we aren't comparing ourselves with God. We're comparing ourselves with our neighbor or, or a friend or a coworker. But God is holy, and one sin separates us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good works. We see that in the rest of the Old Testament. Our good works don't cover sin. And that creates a dilemma. Because God loves us and God wants a relationship with us, but we have that sin that needs to be dealt with. So Jesus took action. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. He died. Imagine yourself at the foot of the cross. Jesus is on the cross and your sins go from you to him. And everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And a life that's eternal means being with Jesus forever. But it's not... Our, our life with Jesus doesn't begin at death. It begins when you accept him as Lord and Savior. It begins now. Jesus gives us that abundant life because you received the Holy Spirit. How these young, five young missionaries go and be martyred for Christ? They didn't do it of themselves. They did it by the Holy Spirit within them. How did their wives go and sacrifice in the jungles of Ecuador to share the gospel? It wasn't them doing it. It was the Holy Spirit working through them. We have complete life that when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, the power is turned back on spiritually. Is a power turned back on within you spiritually. Some of you maybe accepted Christ decades ago, but you're not living for him. 
You need to repent and turn your life back to him. Some of you, maybe you've accepted Christ, but you really haven't surrendered. You're still living for self, and you've got to get self off the throne and live for Christ. The Bible uses four verbs to describe our commitment to Christ. Confess, believe, trust, commit. We're called to confess we are sinners in need of a Savior. Believe in him as the only Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again. And we're called to commit to him and trust in him. This means that we firmly make the decision to be with Jesus in order to become like him and to learn and do all that he says and then arrange our affairs around him. I'm going to give a closing prayer. And it's going to be just a... Well, actually, I'm just going to go straight to a prayer of salvation. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I'm going to give a prayer. It is a prayer of commitment. If, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to surrender your life to Christ today, I'm going to invite you to say a prayer with me. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads right now, all of us. So all of us do it. Let's go to a meditative, prayerful state. And let me ask you, is the Holy Spirit convicting you to turn your life over to Christ right now? To surrender to Him and make Him Lord of your life? If He's convicting of you of that right now, I would like you to respond by raising your hand. Just everybody quiet, every eye closed, every head bowed. I see those hands. Turn your life over to Christ. Say this prayer with me. The prayer is not a magical formula. It's just telling Jesus what you're doing. You're not saved by the prayer. You're saved by what's in your heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we have people gathered here who would like to surrender their life to you or maybe rededicate their life to you. Lord, they're going to respond in this prayer, and we know you hear it. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I have sinned and missed your perfect standard. I confess that to you right now. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I'm committing my life to you and trusting in you. Lord, help us to live for you. Help us all to live for you. Lord God, I thank you for Abraham's example of following you. Help us following you. Help us leaning in on the Holy Spirit who lives within us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said the prayer of salvation, share it with somebody today. If you have questions about God or the spiritual life, please talk to me. Even if you're an atheist, an agnostic, a deist, a Buddhist, whatever. I'm just glad to talk to you and help you explore faith issues. And now is the time to explore those. Don't wait till tomorrow. Let's talk. I invite you to stand for the closing hymn. As we do that, by the way, um, the altars are opened. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you to pray and you just feel like you need to come forward to pray, you can come forward and kneel at these prayer altars and pray during the closing song. If, if kneeling is difficult, you can come forward and sit on the front pew. And of course, you could always pray in your seat as well. Please stand if you're able.